Today on Ag News Daily. With regard to, you know, it's planning time for barley and soon it'll be planning time for corn in Ukraine. Uh, are the Ukrainian farmers going to have the fuel to do that? Uh, I think there's already very serious concerns. Good afternoon and welcome to a Wednesday episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined here by Delaney Howell, who had a long night of traveling and I've had a long day of traveling. So we're both pretty worn out, I'd say. Yes, I did have a long day of traveling, but I made it. We are here in New Orleans getting ready to gear up for the Commodity Classic, which starts tomorrow. And we will be sponsored this week by Raven Industries. Going to be excited to chat with some of their folks about some exciting new things coming down their pipeline there. But yeah, last night didn't get in until about, I think one is what time we hit the hotel lobby here. So it was a long day of traveling. Well, you're already posting some great photos on your Instagram story of some delicious food. So either way, I'm still jealous. Oh, yes. We had a really good lunch today. Uh, we ate some Rockefeller oysters and pork and beans and rice, some etouffee, shrimp or crawfish etouffee. I can't remember now. And yeah, uh, I'm living my best life down here in New Orleans. Going to get all the good foods in. I'm a big seafood person. Uh, Creole person. Of course, we have to hit Cafe du Monde, the famous beignet place. And yeah, probably going to need to put in some extra steps this week, which thankfully we will because the trade show floor here in Commodity Classic is acres big, Ashton. So you will definitely get steps in if you are hitting the ground in New Orleans. Well, I certainly hope that you're not eating a whole lot of seafood when you're home in Iowa, Delaney. I don't know that I'd trust that. Um, yeah, we don't need a ton of seafood. We usually try to like bring it back. Like when we came back from Florida around Christmas time, we drove some back with us. Probably not the best seafood. Yes. To get in Iowa, but definitely down here in New Orleans, 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, Nalini, moving right along here, we've got a good bit of news to cover. And one of the first things that I wanted to talk about today was the 2022 omnibus spending bill. It is nearly complete reportedly. So I wanted to just touch on this a little bit because lawmakers have come to an agreement, it sounds like. The $1.5 trillion package gives a 6% increase to the ag sector, which also includes the FDA and Commodity Futures Trading Commission. USDA has $1 million earmarked for a cattle contract library pilot, which many in the industry have been calling for to increase price transparency. Ag research funding received nearly a $220 million increase to $3.5 billion. $550 million additional dollars will support rural broadband, and more than $78 million is dedicated to climate incentives. So we've been hearing about this needs to happen, that needs to happen, we need money for this, we need funding for that, and it's looking like we're actually coming to an agreement here and some folks are going to be getting what they've been needing, what they've been wanting. So perhaps some good news if this agreement is finalized. Now, Ashton, is this the 22 or 21 or 23 spending bill? The headline says 2022. So that's what I'm going with. Okay. 2022 spending bill. And yes, we're here. We are in March and they still don't have that finalized yet. Well, this bill is expected to be voted on by the House later today, so it's not even finalized 
yet as we're reporting here live. All right. Well, one thing that also happened today was, of course, the WASI report. And I've got to be honest, most of my news revolves around the markets today. So I'm going to hop in here and just share some highlights from today's WASD report, because there were a couple of big things that happened mostly in line with expectations all in all is what we saw today. But we did see the USDA drop Brazil's soybean crop down to 127 million metric tons down from 134 million metric tons from last month. And this was also, I believe, lower than most trade estimates. So a little bit of favorable news there. But as you look at other things that caught the eye of the markets today, the USDA also boosted corn exports by 75 million ton due to tighter Ukrainian supplies. They also boosted soybean exports by 40 million due to a smaller South American crop. Ethanol usage increased by 25 million bushels as well. And so certainly pretty positive news there for the corn side of things. Overall, USDA cut U.S. soybean ending stocks to 285 million bushels, down from 325 last month, but a bit above the trade expectation. And they cut U.S. corn ending stocks by 100 million bushels to a 1.44 billion bushels. Trade was expecting a little bit higher than that. So that was also certainly a slightly positive news there. But all in all, not a huge market mover today for the WASD report. And like Jim mentioned earlier on Monday, you know, they were trying to account for all Ukraine production cuts or potential cuts coming due to the ongoing conflict there. Uh, and so maybe they didn't cut it enough. Maybe they didn't increase U.S. exports enough. Only time will tell. You know, they're still, of course, a little bit over a month away from starting planting there in Ukraine. So we should see more news. Hopefully USDA continues to do that in next month's April WASD report as well, Ashton. Well, Delaney, other than the WASD, we still have a couple of other bits of news to talk about today. And one of the headlines that I saw was talking about McDonald's. So I was curious as to what they were up to this time. But nicely enough, McDonald's is recognizing the importance of Michigan agriculture as part of Food and Ag Month in the state. McDonald's sourced more than $142 million of product from Michigan alone in 2020, including apples, beef, blueberries, corn, eggs, lettuce, pork, and a couple of other things, including soybeans, which surprised me a little bit. George Quackenbush with the Michigan Beef Industry Commission told Brownfield Ag News that includes 11 million pounds of beef, which he says is certified through the Checkoffs of Beef Quality Assurance Program. He was quoted as saying, it's all about the care and feeding of the animals and how we handle them. He says that the pandemic had brought even more emphasis on local and regional sourcing, which is bringing new opportunities for the food and ag industry. So I thought that it was cool that McDonald's was really highlighting local products, especially after the pandemic. It certainly is, Ashton. They've always been pretty much pro, I think for the most part, pro-US or yeah, pro-US products. I think that you're right, yes. But you know, I didn't know if this headline talking about McDonald's and agriculture was going to be something with, you know, fake meat or anything like that. But it was delightful here this afternoon. Absolutely. 
Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, we certainly saw some interesting moves in the market today. Trading off of this wise year report, we were lock limit down in the wheat complex in, I believe, Chicago and hard red KC winter wheat as well. Uh, so that certainly posed to be an interesting sell-off today. And as you look at other things impacting the market, I thought this was just kind of a cool, bigger picture story looking at commodity markets. And the title of it is just three global factors driving a new commodity super cycle. And so basically they're pointing out three major things that are going to continue to move the markets this year. One of which is South American production shortfalls, which again, we saw reflected today by the USDA's cut in Brazilian soybean production. The second one was global demand. And the third was global political tensions, i.e. Russia, China, excuse me, Russia, Ukraine situations. So certainly going to be an interesting 2022. And those are kind of the three big market drivers as of right now. Well, Delaney, as we continue to talk about Russia and Ukraine, we're continuing to see some impacts across the globe here. And one that I wanted to talk about today is Spain, as their ag minister said earlier today that he is pushing the European Commission to waive import controls on corn for animal feed after supply gaps have been caused by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. He says that commission plans are already in the works to expand European cultivation, including allowing farmers to use fallow land, would in, quote, no way replace imports from third countries. But it sounds like this is pretty dire because the headline for this says that Spain is lobbying the European Commission to buy emergency corn from Argentina. So they're looking for all sorts of ways to fill the gaps that have been caused by the Russian-Ukraine invasion. And it sounds like things are becoming increasingly more serious, especially as we talk about supply chain issues and a food crisis. Yeah. And that's really the thing that, you know, the quote unquote food crisis been reading some articles recently that have looked at that a lot, just at the continued increased cost of foodstuffs. And that is certainly going to be a key focal point, especially for those folks who are the primary grocery makers, grocery buyers for their households. Uh, you know, you add in inflation into that and things are going to get a lot more expensive here. You know, especially gasoline. We continue to talk about that. I can't remember. I was listening to someone on the airplane yesterday flying down talking about the price of gasoline and just already the differences between regional areas and what folks are paying for a gallon of gas. So certainly more of that stuff to come down the pipeline, it sounds like. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, the price of gas there, Delaney. I was reading an article. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. It was just kind of something that I was glancing over. And uh, it really just was talking about a farmer who was selling, you know, high dollar corn and beans just the other day. But with gas being, you know, over 350 in some parts of the nation, it's going to cut into their profitability. So, you know, they're selling high prices, but it takes so much to even get these products delivered. And with fertilizer prices increasing, there's so much input going, so many price inputs that are really cutting into farmers' profitability. And so it's just such a strange time to me. I think that it's really interesting how everything is really playing out here, but that's really all of the things that I have to talk about today, other than where markets ended. 
Absolutely. Well, it was a little bit of an ugly day today. Markets were trading in the positive territory in soybeans, at least ahead of the WASDE report and quickly sold off following that release today. The question, question remains and certain to see this, I think, played out in the markets. Has the Ukraine-Russia story been traded as much as it can up until now? Meaning, you know, does something else major have to happen before we see any sort of continued bullish sentiment there? And I think that's been kind of the general consensus from analysts that I've been reading this week. So <laughs> given today's market sell-off, it certainly seems that is the case. Maycorn today down 20 cents, settling at 733 of the Dees, lost seven pennies to close at 636 and three quarters. Soybeans today in the May contract shed 18 cents to close at 1671. The November up just a half a cent setting the day at 14.73 and three quarters. Chicago wheat, as I mentioned there, lock limit down in the May contract to close at 12.01 and a half. Dece down 41 cents to close at 9.69 and three quarters. In the Kansas City wheat pits today, the May contract lock limit down to close at 11.14 and a half. December down 68 and three quarters cents to close at 10.53. Checking out the livestock markets today, we saw mostly weakness across the entire well, we did see weakness ac across the entire front month contracts here in live cattle, feeder cattle, and lean hogs. April live cattle down $1.47 today, settling at $137.57. The June down $1.50 to close at $1.33.95. April feeders down $0.17.5 cents today, settling the day out at $160.15. The May shed $0.37.5 cents to close the day at $165.92. And in lean hogs, April today closing the day out at 101.15, down a buck 77. The May settling 82 and a half cents lower to close at 107.40. Lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. April today gave up 47 cents to close at 24.08. The May down 44 cents to close at 24.21. Ashton, before we get into the real nitty gritty of Commodity Classic this week, we've got one final interview to play for our listeners today. Fill us in on who we're going to be hearing from. We are going to be talking a little bit more about Russia and Ukraine with Greg Dowd. Well, folks, we're joined today by former Ambassador Greg Dowd, who currently serves as the chief economist for Aimpoint Research, digging in a little bit more into the Ukrainian-Russian crisis that is continuing to happen overseas. Ambassador Dowd, thank you so much for joining us today. As we dive in here, I really wanted to get your take because I know working as or working with the former uh, trade representative's office, you probably did a lot of traveling or maybe just a little bit here and there, but did you ever make it to Ukraine or Russia? And can you share any ground level perspective that you had? Um, you know, I didn't uh, in that job, but I will tell you it was a little more than 20 years ago that I did get to Croatia and, and do some variety uh, in, in that country and, and in the Bosnia as well, which would be on the western side of, of these lands and on the eastern side of it are the black soils of the Ukraine. And, and so this, folks, this is Iowa. I mean, this is unbelievably productive farm ground, black soils. You know, uh, prior to World War One, this was the breadbasket of Europe. 
Absolutely. And that's what we continue to unpack and talk about. You know, one of the statistics that we've shared on the podcast is Ukraine can feed about 600 million people or two times the United States population just with the agricultural productiveness that they have there. But from your standpoint, what really escalated things to this point that we're seeing today? So so let's keep this really simple here and not get into a lot of numbers. Ukraine actually exports more wheat than the United States. So we do about 24 million tons, or we do about 22, they do 24, and Russia is about 33 million tons. So when you uh, when you do the Ukraine and Russia combined, that's about 30% of yeah, Kazakhstan, about a third of all the wheat traded in the world today comes right out of those uh, ports in the Black Sea area there. So this is a major disruption in the world of wheat trade. And the biggest buyer for that wheat, the, the closest uh, folks are the biggest wheat buyers in the world, which is Middle Eastern countries and especially Egypt. On the corn side of the equation, Egypt is a huge corn exporter today. Yeah, the U.S. is the biggest corn exporter in the world, a little over 60 million tons. Uh, the Ukraine exports almost half of that. So, so they are a major player. About, about half of Ukraine's corn goes to China today. So uh, th- this, is, uh, this is a major disruption uh, in, in the corn market as well. And then the third ca- category is sunflowers. Russia and Ukraine are easily by far the biggest sunflower producers in the world, number one or number two. And so you have uh, the problems with palm oil production in Southeast Asia because of La Nina. And another weather phenomenon, now you have taken uh, the sunflower seed oil out of the global uh, vegetable oil trading equation. And, and so you have major disruption now in, in three of the most staple items in the world for food. So, Greg, I want to talk a little bit more here about really Russia's objectives, because this is something that you guys talked about in the Aimpoint webinar earlier this week, is that they are wanting to increase Black Sea port access. So I wanted to expand on that a little bit more and get your perspective. Well, you know, Colonel Purdy is, is much better to speak on these geopolitical issues. And if anybody can speak to Vladimir Putin's objectives, I'm, I would be quite impressed because it's kind of hard to understand what's going through this man's head at the moment. Uh, but, but clearly, uh, they are not backing down. This is a major disruption. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the Ukrainian Navy, uh, it's actually mined. Ukrainian ports to protect them and keep the, the Russian Navy away. You know, now we know that they've taken one of the other port areas there. But the other side of this is, uh, from an agricultural perspective, the, the Russian ports are fine, but who's going to take their ocean-going bulk carrier vessel into the Black Sea right now? We've already seen three of them attacked. Nobody's going in there. Uh, from a vessel standpoint, and even if they did, uh, with the swift restrictions on Russia, uh, I'm not sure how anyone would get paid. So the point being, uh, all of this is shut down right now, and uh, knowing what uh, Mr. Putin's uh, long-term goals here is is a day-to-day operation. 
And Greg, another thing that people have really been talking about just a tad, I feel like I haven't seen too much of this is cyber security and potential attacks or maybe what's going to happen. I feel like people don't really know from a cyber standpoint, what the status is of a threat or anything of that nature. So can you give us a little bit more insight to that? And if we could potentially see something come of it? Yeah, it's a great question and, and something that everybody in the Washington, D.C. area seems to be talking about. Not only uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, efforts with regard to Ukraine, but, uh, you know, cyber warfare between Russia and the United States. I don't know, presumably maybe the United States and Russia. Uh, this is uh, this is the world we live in in the 21st century. And, and uh, uh you know, we won't know uh, how this affects us until after it's already happened. Uh, you know, the other the other issue is with regard to uh, energy production and electricity. This is a major concern that we have with regard to Ukraine. Is so the ports are down. There's nothing. You're not able to get anything out of in and out or out of the ports in the Ukraine. But a lot of the bridges are gone now too. So if you're going to carry uh, fuel or fertilizer in and out of the Ukraine, exactly how are you going to do that? And so this gets us into a situation with regard to, you know, it's planting time for barley and soon it'll be planting time for corn in the Ukraine. Uh, are the Ukrainian farmers going to have the fuel to do that? Uh, I think there's already very serious concerns uh, on that issue. And, and uh, you know, you don't get a second shot here or a do-over uh, when planning time's over, planning time's over. And so uh, and we'll, we'll have to wait for 2023. So the next uh, several weeks here, if this thing continues, has uh, major implications for agricultural markets uh, for many months ahead. And I hate to try and guess what the outcome is and in the chances of them getting that crop planted. But I think that's really the big question that a lot of farmers have right now is, will Ukraine be able to plant? And even if they are able to plant, you know, all of these other domino effects that have happened with issues at their ports, their infrastructure, their ability to get grains to where they need to get when harvest time comes around, I think are, are a lot of the big questions as well. In your mind, even if let's just say hypothetically things you know, die down and de-escalate by the end of this month. Is Ukraine going to be able to have the full capacity to produce the crop that they're usually able to produce? Well, if, if I would say hypothetically, you know, by the end of the month, if everything is, is uh, you know, not in, in the war zone, uh, I, I think the Ukraine farmer could, could rapidly get things going again here. So that, you know, one month isn't so bad. Uh, and, and I want to make this point, you know, the minute somebody announces a ceasefire or peace and, and things are going to be okay, you know, these markets will uh, fall really, really significantly uh, because, you know, these this, these are huge amounts of uh, corn and wheat and, and sunflower seed oil that could potentially come back online. So that's what makes this such an extraordinarily difficult thing here for uh, agricultural markets and, and buyers and sellers globally is, is there is no way to predict, at least at this time, uh, what Vladimir Putin is going to do and what the end game here is and, and how long this lasts. 
Well, Ambassador Dowd, we certainly appreciate you joining us today. If folks, I know you had a webinar earlier this week that a lot of folks tuned in for, but for those farmers that maybe missed it or want to look at some additional information that you guys are putting out there at Aimpoint Research, how can they get a hold of you? Well, I think uh, just go on our website, aimpointresearch.com, and uh, we'd be, uh, you know, we, we work with a lot of folks in agriculture on the cooperative side of the equation, on the, et cetera. So, uh, you know, we uh, happy to uh, continue to, to visit with you on this situation. And, and uh, this is truly a historic time in, in, in the world and in particular for agricultural markets. And, and uh, every day is a new day right now. Absolutely. Well, Greg, thank you once again for coming on the podcast. Certainly appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks again there to Greg for joining us last week. This is a a little bit of a later interview that we're airing here, but still very relevant information. And I think that it was recorded when we were talking to Greg, it might've been, you know, post recording when we were just chit chatting, that things are really changing, you know, by the second, it seems. So there's a lot to cover, but still a lot to pay attention to. Yes, there certainly is, Ashton, a lot going on in the markets, but don't worry, stay tuned with us and we'll keep you abreast of all the changing events day to day. And we're going to be keeping you in check here. If you're not able to fly down here to New Orleans, the Commodity Classic, follow along with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. I'll be sharing stuff on our handles as well as filling you in on some things that we're seeing down here on the commodity market trade show floor tomorrow with Tanner Winterhoff. So folks do stay tuned and connect with us on social, but for now, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.